Section 2 of Poems of American History, Volume 2 The Revolution. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. Chapter One The Coming of Discontent. Part Two A conflict of a much more serious nature took place at Alamance, North Carolina, on May 7, 1771, between a body of colonists goaded to rebellion by repeated acts of extortion and a force of British regulars under Governor Tryon the colonists were totally defeated and left two hundred dead and wounded on the field alamance may seventh seventeen seventy one no stately column marks the hallowed place where silent sleeps unearned their sacred dust the first free martyrs of a glorious race their fame a people's wealth a nation's trust the rustic ploughman at the early morn the yielding furrow turns with heedless tread or tends with frugal care the springing corn where tyrants conquered and where heroes bled above their rest the golden harvest waves the glorious stars stand sentinels on high while in sad requiem near their turfless graves the winding river murmurs morning by no stern ambition moved them to the deed in freedom's cause they nobly dared to die the first to conquer or the first to bleed god and their country's right their battle cry but holier watchers here their vigils keep than storied urn or monumental stone for law and justice guard their dreamless sleep and plenty smiles above their bloody home immortal youth shall crown their deathless fame and as their country's glories shall advance shall brighter blaze o'er all the earth thy name thou first fought field of freedom alamance seymour w whiting the first american victory occurred on the night of june ninth seventeen seventy two when the british eight-gun schooner gaspy was captured and burned to the water's edge for some months the crew of the gaspy commissioned to enforce the revenue acts in narragansett bay had been stopping vessels seizing goods stealing sheep and hogs and committing other depredations along the shore on june ninth while pursuing the providence packet the schooner ran aground and that night was boarded by a party of rhode islanders the crew overpowered and the boat burned a new song called the gaspy june ninth and tenth seventeen seventy two twas in the reign of george the third the public peace was much disturbed by ships of war that came and laid 
within our ports to stop our trade in seventeen hundred seventy two in newport harbor lay a crew that played the parts of pirates there the sons of freedom could not bear sometimes they'd weigh and give them chase such actions sure were very base no honest coasters could pass by but what they would let some shot fly which did provoke to high degree those true-born sons of liberty so that they could no longer bear these sons of belial staying there but twas not long for it fell out that william doddington so stout commander of the gaspy tender which he had reason to remember because as people do assert he almost had his just desert here on the tenth day of last june between the hours of twelve and one did chase the sloop called the hannah of whom one lindsay was commander they dogged her up to providence sound and there the rascal got aground the news of it flew that very day that they on nanquit point did lay that night about half after ten some narragansett indian men being sixty-four if i remember soon made this stout coxcomb surrender and what was best of all their tricks they in his breech a ball did fix they set the men upon the land and burned her up we understand which thing provoked the king so high he said those men should surely die so if he can but find them out the hangman he'll employ no doubt for he has declared in his passion he'll have them tried in a new fashion now for to find those people out king george has offered very stout one thousand pounds to find out one that wounded william doddington one thousand more he says he'll spare for those who say they sheriffs were one thousand more there doth remain for to find out the leader's name likewise one hundred pounds per man for any one of all the clan but let them try his utmost skill i'm apt to think he never will find out any of those hearts of gold though he should offer fifty-fold the duty on tea imposed five years before by townshend had been retained by the british government as a matter of principle and in the autumn of seventeen seventy three the king determined to assert the obnoxious principle which the tax involved several ships loaded with tea were accordingly started for america on sunday november twenty eighth the first of these arrived at boston and two others came in a few days later the town went wild meeting after meeting was held and on the night of tuesday december sixteenth seventeen seventy three a band of about twenty disguised as indians boarded the ships cut open the tea-chests and flung the contents into the water 
a ballad of the boston tea party december sixteenth seventeen seventy three no never such a draught was poured since hebe served with nectar the bright olympians and their lord her over kind protector since father noah squeezed the grape and took to such behaving as would have shamed our grandsire ape before the days of shaving no never was mingled such a draught in palace hall or arbor as freemen brood and tyrants quaffed that night in boston harbor it kept king george so long awake his brain at last got addled it made the nerves of britain shake with seven score millions saddled before that bitter cup was drained amid the roar of cannon the western war-clouds crimson stained the thames the clyde the shannon full many a six-foot grenadier the flattened grass had measured and many a mother many a year her tearful memories treasured fast spread the tempest's darkening pall the mighty realms were troubled the storm broke loose but first of all the boston teapot bubbled an evening party only that no formal invitation no gold-lace coat no stiff cravat no feast in contemplation no silk-robed dames no fiddling band no flowers no songs no dancing a tribe of red men axe in hand behold the guests advancing how fast the stragglers join the throng from stall and workshop gathered the lively barber skips along and leaves a chin half lathered the smith has flung his hammer down the horseshoe still is glowing the truant tapster at the crown has left a beer cask flowing the cooper's boys have dropped the aids and trot behind their master up run the tarry shipyard lads the crowd is hurrying faster out from the mill-pond pearlius gush the streams of white-faced millers and down their slippery alleys rush the lusty young fort hillers the rope-walk lends its prentice crew the tories seize the omen ay boys you'll soon have work to do for england's rebel foremen king hancock adams and their gang that fire the mob with treason when these we shoot and those we hang the town will come to reason on on to where the tea-ships ride and now their ranks are forming a rush and up the dartmouth side the mohawk band is swarming see the fierce natives what a glimpse of paint and fur and feather as all at once the full-grown imps light on the deck together a scarf the pigtails secret keeps a blanket hides the breeches and out the cursed cargo leaps and overboard it pitches o woman at the evening board so gracious sweet and purring so happy while the tea is poured so blessed while spoons are stirring what martyr can compare with thee the mother 
wife or daughter that night instead of best bohe condemned to milk and water ah little dreams the quiet dame who plies with rock and spindle the patient flax how great a flame yon little spark shall kindle the lord morning shall reveal a fire no king can smother where british flint and boston steel have clashed against each other old charters shrivel in its track his warship's bench has crumbled it climbs and clasps the union jack its blazoned pomp is humbled the flags go down on land and sea like corn before the reapers so burn the fire that brewed the tea that boston served her keepers the waves that wrought a century's wreck have rolled o'er whig and tory the mohawks on the dartmouth's deck still live in song and story the waters in the rebel bay have kept the tea-leaf savor our old north enders in their spray still taste a hyson flavor and freedom's teacup still o'erflows ever fresh libations to cheat of slumber all her foes and cheer the wakening nations oliver wendell holmes next morning paul revere booted and spurred started for philadelphia with the news that boston had at last thrown down the gauntlet the following song appeared in the pennsylvania packet a few days after revere reached philadelphia a new song december sixteenth seventeen seventy three as near beauteous boston lying on the gentle swelling flood without jack or pendant flying three ill-fated tea-ships rode just as glorious soul was setting on the wharf a numerous crew sons of freedom fear forgetting suddenly appeared in view armed with hammers axe and chisels weapons new for warlike deed towards the herbage freighted vessels they approached with dreadful speed o'er their heads aloft in mid-sky three bright angel forms were seen this was hampton that was sydney with fair liberty between soon they cried your foes you'll banish soon the triumph shall be won scarce shall setting phoebus vanish ere the deathless deed be done quick as thought the ships were boarded hatches burst and chests displayed axes hammers help afforded what a glorious crash they made squash into the deep descended cursed weed of china's coast thus at once our fears were ended british rights shall ne'er be lost captains once more hoist your streamers spread your sails and plough the wave tell your masters they were dreamers when they thought to cheat the brave news of the insurrection was received in england with the greatest indignation and measures of reprisal were at once undertaken no ships were to be allowed to enter the port of boston until the rebellious town 
should have repaid the East India Company for the loss of its tea, the charter of Massachusetts was annulled, and her free government destroyed, and General Cage was sent over with four regiments to take possession of the town. How We Became a Nation April 15, 1774 When George the King would punish folk, who dared resist his angry will, resist him with their hearts of oak, that neither king nor council broke. He told Lord North to mend his quill, and sent his Parliament a bill. The Boston Port Bill was the thing, he flourished in his royal hand, a subtle lash with scorpion sting, across the seas he made it swing, and with its cruel thong he planned to quell the disobedient land. His minions heard it sing and bear, the port of Boston felt his wrath, they let no ship cast anchor there, they summoned hunger and despair, and curses in an aftermath followed their desolating path. No coal might enter there, nor wood, nor holland flax, nor silk from France, no drugs for dying pangs, no food for any mother's little brood. Now, said the king, we have our chance, we'll lead the haughty knaves a dance. No other flags lit up the bay, like full-blown blossoms in the air, than where the British warships lay, the wharves were idle all the day. The idle men, grown gaunt and spare, saw trouble, pall-like, everywhere. Then in across the meadow land, from lonely farm and hunter's tent, from fertile field and fallow strand, pouring it out with lavish hand, the neighboring burgs their bounty sent, and laughed at king and parliament, to bring them succor, marble head, joyous her deep-sea fishing sought, her trees with ringing stroke and tread, old many-rivered Newbury sped, and Groton in her granaries wrought, and generous flocks old Wyndham brought, rice from the Carolinas came, iron from Pennsylvania's forge, and, with a spirit all aflame, tobacco-leaf and corn and game, the Midlands sent, and in his gorge, the colonies defied King George, and Hartford hung in black array, her town-house, and at half-mast there, the flags flowed, and the bells all day, tolled heavily and far away, in great Virginia's solemn air, the house of Burgesses held prayer, down long glades of the forest floor, the same thrill ran through every vein, and down the long Atlantic shore, its heat the tyrant's fetters tore, and welded them through stress and strain, of long years to a mightier chain, that mighty chain with links of steel, bound all the old thirteen at last, through one electric pulse to feel, the common woe, the common weal, and that great day the port bill passed, made us a nation hard and fast. Harriet Prescott Spofford
End of Section 2 Recording by Greg Giordano Newport Ritchie, Florida